Sony. Hello, Canada. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense. 45 minutes of unedited, unscripted, and for right now, uncensored commentary on Canada's issues. It is Tony in Saskatchewan enjoying one last outdoor barbecue. And it's Lewis out here in beautiful BC uh, with some rain. Rain? Oh my gosh. That's a little unusual for this time of year, isn't it? Oh, it's unusual for this valley period. Um, yeah, because I thought whole, you we had... don't get a whole lot. We don't get a whole lot of rain, but it's been raining a lot the last couple of weeks. And huh. uh, yeah, like usually a rain when rain when we get hit with rain, it usually lasts fifteen to twenty minutes, kind of thing. And uh, lately, it's just been raining all day long. So, huh? Well, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Well, it's something we need, so that's good. That's true. All right, Canada, we've got a heck of a show for you today. On the show tonight, Doug Ford finds his spine. Saskatchewan Health Authority loses their minds. Ever hear of a man named Aaron Gunn? A blast from the past insults the Liberal Party. The results are in from Alberta. Some kind of a cabinet shuffle and more. Where do you want to start, sir? Oh, let's uh, talk about something I know a little bit about, and that's Aaron Gunn. Yeah, you know what? I uh, It was funny because I didn't know much about him, but uh, I heard an interview he did with Candace Malcolm, and then the very next day you had, had called me in to talk about him some more, and um, yeah, I'll let you take this one because I just fell in love with the guy. Yeah, Aaron Gunn is, uh, uh, I would call him a conservative um reporter i mean he's not a reporter in the traditional sense he doesn't work for cbc or ctv or any of the uh establishment um news agencies he uh he tends to report for like uh uh more conservative minded news outlets um well, he's, and, like he's an independent, right? Yeah, he's an independent. And um, uh, so he, you know, Canada Proud puts a lot of their, a lot of his videos on, on their uh, Facebook page. And uh, the post-millennial um, will, uh, will post some of his stuff as well. He's, uh, he's a really, I, I really like him. I mean, he's young. He's in his early 30s, and uh, but he's what I would call a common sense kind of guy. And um, I wouldn't call him a right winger or anything like that. He, he's just a common sense kind of guy. E- everything a guy says is just, you know, like I said, common sense, which is something you and I really like on this show. <laughs> yep. Um, he's... Uh, he decided that he would he was going to put his name forward to uh, run as a candidate for the leadership of the BC Liberal Party. And just so everybody in this, the, all of our listeners understand, is that the BC Liberal Party, the it's a provincial political party, is not in any way affiliated with the federal Liberals. Um, in fact, it's it's a more conservative party than liberal it, it, what happened was 
back when the Social Credit Party of BC, which was a conservative party, uh, folded, all the members that were left uh, bought BC Liberal memberships, took over the party, and elected one of their own as the leader. So they basically hijacked the BC Liberal Party, and it was uh, more of a conservative-leaning party with the liberal name. And um, over the years, the party has started to shift more to the liberal side of things. And Aaron Dunn decided that he wanted to uh, put his name forth because the candidates that we were seeing were pretty pretty much the same people we always see run for the leadership. And the party uh, rejected his application despite meeting all the requirements. And yes, that's what I, I'm curious about, is how could they reject his candidacy? Yeah, well, the reason they gave was because he, they claim his views are intolerant and do not uh, conform to the BC Liberal Party uh, policies. Um, and what views are those? Uh, well, he doesn't believe that there's systemic racism. He doesn't believe in the, um, the, the pay gap, the gender pay gap. Um, he's, uh, he just, it, it, like I said before, it's just common sense stuff that, that he's um, he has a he has a more realistic view on things rather than a utopian view that typical liberals have. Um, it's he doesn't believe in teaching critical race theory. He doesn't um, you know he do, he doesn't believe in. Um, uh, uh, accelerating teenagers to transition uh, from one sex to another, things like that, right? It all seems pretty standard stuff that you would probably agree with. But the BC Liberal Party doesn't agree with it. And so they just eliminated his candidacy altogether. Well, that's really sad because, um, like I say, when I was listening to him talk and he was suggesting about changing the name of the parties, and I wonder if that's maybe part of what uh, had him fall out of favor. But, yeah, he had really good common sense ideas. And I just thought, wow, like this, it was like the guy was singing to me. Yeah, and, and there was another candidate that was upset that he wasn't included. Um, and that's Ellis Rock. And uh, Ellis Ross is a First Nations um, leader that is running for the BC Liberal leadership as well. And he is a more conservative-minded person as well. He's also a pro, um, pro-natural resource development uh, candidate. And, um, you know, once again, proving that Unlike what all the racists say, uh, 
natives don't all think the same. <laughs> you know, uh, um, he's, he's a he's a breath of fresh air. Um, he's the guy I'm supporting. Um, and uh, even if Aaron Gunn was running, I would still be supporting Ellis Ross just for the simple reason that Ellis Ross has a lot of experience as uh, a leader and um, and has you know the 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 benefit of age and experience to go along with it, right? Um, the uh, uh, Aaron Gunn being a very you know fairly young man. Um, I, I don't feel has enough life experience in that to really, um, you know, be able to command a party or or if winning a, a, uh, an election, a parliament. Um, but I think that he, he does have a future um, as long as he can find a party that will allow him to run. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, good luck to him. And Alice Ross, I mean, again, you introduced me to him by uh, some articles you had shared and whatnot. He does seem like a really great guy, so I'm uh, I'm hopeful for him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a really he's a really compelling candidate, and I uh, and I'm I'm supporting him all the way. Awesome. Okay, let's go across the country to Ontario. Sure. Doug Ford was pretty. Uh, I think he was pretty absent during the federal election, which is not uncommon for provincial premiers because they don't want to be seen as trying to influence for one side or another because obviously they have to work with the next federal government regardless of who they are. Yeah. But he came back into the media and he came out swinging. Uh, he had a great uh, statement on immigrants. He said, and I'm going to paraphrase here, he said, we want immigrants to come to Ontario. We want immigrants who will come here and work their tail off like other immigrants. And if they want to come here and just collect benefits, they can go somewhere else. And boy, do the media, the mainstream media, ever take issue with that. Oh, of course they would. Because the mainstream media believes that the government should be, uh, you know, looking after people from cradle to grave. Yeah, they're very, very leftist. You're right. Yeah. So, of course, they so, called him a racist. And, of course, they uh, doubled down on that when Doug Ford refused to capitulate, knuckle under, and apologize for what he said. He actually, Doug Ford doubled down and said, no, I won't apologize because that was what I meant to say. And yeah. suddenly, I like Doug Ford again. And not because yeah. I'm a racist, but because I believe in equality and merit. And that's what he's saying. Yeah, no, I, I agree with him as well. And and, uh, you know, and, and it really sucks that you have to, um, you know, you know, pre, uh, oh, I don't, I don't know the word I'm looking like, for. But like you, qualify you to, my statement? Yeah. Yeah, that you have to pre-qualify your statements by saying you're not a racist. I mean, there are white immigrants and European immigrants and, and all that as well. So um, I don't want any of them if they're lazy too. So Exactly. Uh, but the thing is, is that, I mean, what, what was it in response to? Because um, it seems like an awfully strange thing to just come out swinging with if there's no reason for the comment. So what was it in re reference to? Well, there is a, uh, a labor shortage in Ontario, and they often use uh, temporary foreign worker labor for the agriculture industry in, in Ontario. And yeah. so Doug Ford was saying that, yeah, we've got a, got a shortage in, in uh, 
we've got a surplus of jobs and a shortage of people to fill them or willing to fill them. So he was trying, one of his ministers is trying to get uh, trade certification fast-tracked so that, say, a, a welder from India can come over to Ontario, write his exams and get welding instead of coming to Ontario, driving a cab until he can get all his paperwork done. And that right. was kind of what he was referring to. So he said, yeah, get over here and get to work. So. Oh, okay. No, I, I, that makes total sense then. I mean, I mean the, my, in my experience, the overwhelming vast majority of immigrants are hardworking people. I mean, they're harder working than most Canadian Canadian born uh, residents. So, I mean, you always see like immigrants that are buying businesses or starting businesses, and they're and they they work like they live and breathe their businesses until you know until the day they retire. And um, you see that a lot. I mean, it's very rare that you ever see an immigrant that's lazy. And I mean, most. They're they're usually much harder workers than than many Canadian-born people I know. Yeah, what well, I'd agree with that totally. And yeah. uh, another feather, Mister Ford's cap, is he actually took action. The the Toronto Blue Jays, Raptors, Maple Leafs all said, "Okay, we can have full capacity in our stadiums. You know, twenty plus, thirty plus thousand people, but yet." The restaurants across the street and the sport bars were still stuck at half capacity with full masking requirements, etc. And Dan Kelly, who's the president of the Canadian Federation for Independent Business and others, um, stood up and said, this is wrong. And Doug Ford looked at it and said, okay, yeah, you're right. This is wrong. And he opened the restaurants in, up in gyms and whatnot. So now there's a level playing field in Ontario everywhere. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, it's it, it's absolutely asinine that you know professional sports teams get get uh, uh, exemptions that small businesses and family-owned businesses don't get, and it's it's absolutely stunning to me that that can happen, but it does. It happens all the time. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So- yeah. Okay. We're gonna bump I, mean, ahead. I, I, I mean, what one good thing I, I just bought tickets for a concert. I am pumped. I'm ready to go. It's not till February, but damn, I'm going to rock hard when I go. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. No, that's great. Uh, yeah. My wife and I actually went to a music festival here in Saskatchewan uh, over the summer because it was in August and it was just really nice to hear live music again. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. Okay. Yeah, no, that's great. Hope you have a great time. So, uh, speaking of Saskatchewan, Scott Moe has uh, had a few stumbles as of late. The Saskatchewan Health Authority last week decided it was, I guess it was a marketing ploy. They had an ad out with a teenage uh, person saying that, you know, I'm young and healthy. and Do I really need to get a COVID shot? And their response was, well, your health isn't really what, what the... Uh, which is your health shouldn't be what the, the only thing that determines whether you need a shot. It should be your vaccination status. And so in other words, go get the shot. But yeah, we know that and as little as we know about COVID, we know that that's not true. Being young and healthy actually is a factor and it does help you prevent getting COVID. So it was yeah. the, kind of backfired on them and 
Yeah, they got a lot of backlash and ended up taking the ad down. But the damage is done, you idiots. How dare you lie to your own citizens? Yeah, I mean, it's and it, it, the vaccines are not without risk. I mean, it, it's like it's like if you if you give um, 100,000 people peanuts, you're going to have some bad reactions. You get and just like if you give 100,000 people vaccines, you're going to have some bad reactions. So and those but with those those vaccines is that most of those bad reactions are with young people and because they have robust uh, immune systems. And so their immune systems react very violently to the vaccines. And some people get really, um, like, I, I know three people who've had strokes after getting their second shots. One of the guys is still in the hospital. He's been in the hospital for six weeks. And another wow. one is and another one is paralyzed for the rest of his life. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And... These were healthy guys. These were runners. They were they were both runners. Um, so I mean, like this is—they're not without risk. It, it's but so that's why that's why I don't think that ma- vaccines should be mandated. I, this is a personal choice. This is something that you need to decide if it's worth, you know, the risk. And if you're 18 years old and you're a healthy person, you know, I mean, it. If you decide not to have the vaccine, I don't think that should count against you. Um, it's and just like that, I mean, I, people who've had the vaccine or had COVID and recovered from COVID should not be forced to get a vaccine. Yeah, oh, and I'm with you on both of those, and I don't understand really why it is that. Uh, I mean, we've said this all along. Why it's anybody's business who's vaccinated or who isn't and i mean one way to get me from zero to 60 angry is to have people start off the conversation by saying i just want everybody to know i am fully vaccinated and then go off on their opinion because i don't give a bleep if you're vaccinated or not just like you shouldn't care if i'm vaccinated or not see i always preface my comments about vaccinations with I am fully vaccinated and these are my thoughts on it because if I don't I'm called an anti-vaxxer because they automatically assume that I'm unvaccinated and so I I start off by saying I am fully vaccinated but I don't think everybody should be forced to right so and I have to do that or else they immediately start calling me names well, that's a good point, but I mean, I've, I've continued to go on that this is our private health information and it's none of your business, but at the same time, I just decided to go around asking people I work with that were against, you know, disclosing whether or not they had the shot, and the one fellow I walked up and said, uh, well, are you fully intact? Like, you still got your gallbladder, tonsils, whatever? And he was more than happy to tell me he had his tonsils out when he was a kid. And, you know, otherwise he's got every, all his parts. And I just thought, well, okay, so you're really against disclosing your COVID status, but you have no problem telling me about every childhood disease you had and you know, all the, you know, any surgeries and whatnot. So, um you got issues, pal. My issue is none of them, the stuff I've had done is anybody's business. So. <laughs> yeah. So one more point I want to make on COVID is 
hypocrisy here in my beautiful Saskatchewan. The Saskatoon Police Service attended a Maxime Bernier rally on election night here in Saskatoon. And then about a week or two later, posted pictures of 15 people asking the public to identify these people so they could charge them as part of their investigation for breaking public health rules. I saw that, yeah. And to add to that, because on this show, there's always more, Eric Church held a concert here in Saskatoon on Saturday. 13,000 people in attendance, all kinds of pictures on social media, people not wearing masks while they're sitting in their seats side by side. The police make a point of saying, yes, we were at that concert, but it was not our, our job to be to be keeping track of or to be enforcing COVID rules. I thought, okay, so you want to clamp down on a political rally of 400 or 500 people, but those 13,000 sitting at a concert, nah, don't worry about them. They're fine. Well, yeah, because it doesn't, it doesn't suit their political agenda. That's why. Yeah, it's, that's ridiculous. Just, uh, you know, you think they've probably got better things to do with the, uh, the bump in crime that's, uh, that's happened over, over the, lot, the summer and yeah. the general, you know, crime rate in general. But no, no, let's, uh, let, let's go after people at a political rally and then just uh, we'll turn a blind eye to the concert. Yeah. Even though Saskatchewan has sent so far nine people to Ontario for ICU care because we have too many people in our own ICUs here. Yeah. Well, I mean, Maxime Bernier is the most dangerous man in Canada. So. Yep, he is because his his, his 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 weapons are his words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I shouldn't criticize him. I like Max, but okay. Why don't we tackle the cabinet shuffle? And then if we have time, we'll talk about a liberal blast from the past. Well, let, let's, let's go on that liberal blast from the past first. Let's just get it. Okay, sure. Yeah. Sure. So uh, Jean Chrétien, who was Canada's 20th prime minister from 1993 till 2002, 2003, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, anyway, he just recently uh, published another memoir, and in that memoir, he chastised the Trudeau Liberals on their handling of the, the two Michaels and other issues, saying that they've never consulted any of the older Liberals for advice, and he actually seemed somewhat insulted that they didn't come talk to him personally, and he he, he didn't go so far as to call out the new Liberals for being immature and uh, inexperienced. Oh, he did say inexperienced. But yeah, he had not a lot of nice things to say. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he uh, really criticized them for the amount of debt they're taking on and the amount of money that they're printing. Yeah. Well, on that, he did an interview with Evan Solomon, and I had to laugh in a loving kind of way because he reminded me of your typical crusty old man. Um, Evan Solomon started to talk about the, the mid-90s and the, the moves that his government had to make to get Canada's books in order. And John Cretchen just cut him off and said, well, we had a problem, we solved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I guess, yes, you did, but you could elaborate. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and the, uh, but here's, here's the other thing that was revealed today, and I think I sent it to you in a text, was that the residential school uh, abuses and everything were revealed or were reported to Jean Chrétien's government. And 
were completely ignored. Yeah, and that's funny because uh, in that same interview with Evan Solomon, he had said no, he never heard uh, heard any any kind of complaints. And in a different interview, he had said that he was trying to compare residential schools to a boarding school when he was a kid, where they ate oatmeal and sausage or something like that, and yeah. they didn't like. And then and then you sent me that revelation. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Well, he's a crotchety old man now, so. And like you said, he's from the past, and and that's probably where he should stay. But at the same time, I would take his government over this one any day. <laughs> As would I. And, you know, I thought once his interview circuit settles down, I'm actually going to approach him to see if he will uh, do an interview with us. I doubt he, he would even think twice about turning us down. But I still want to. I'm going to try because I think that yeah. would be a fun interview. Yeah, give it a shot. Yeah, certainly will. So, um all right. And actually, Captain one more thing Shuffle. I want to ju- want to jump on before we go to the cabinet shuffle is Alberta. I almost forgot. The uh, results are in today. Daylight savings time lost by the narrowest of margins, fifty point one percent against to forty nine point nine percent for scrapping daylight savings time. So you're still changing your clocks, Alberta. Oh my God, Alberta! You guys, you guys have too many stupid people in your province now. <laughs> they really do. Yeah, they've they've got too many liberals moving in from points east. So, well, I mean, they, but, they, they both the, the, the mayors of the major cities are all liberal or NDP or even or even like further left than that. I mean, hard left. The, yeah, the, the new the new Calgary mayor there. I can't even pronounce her name. Um, she uh, she didn't even run on declaring a state of emergency for uh, climate emergency, right? And And she's not even sworn in yet. And she publicly stated the first order of business is to declare a state of climate emergency. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like it's you're you're in the city with like 80 percent of the oil company head offices in the country. And you're you're going to try and shoot yourself in the foot on the very first day. I mean, <laughs> oh God! Oh, Calgary, you didn't learn your lesson with Ninshi. I hopefully you learn your lesson with this one, but for some reason I doubt it. Yeah, well, all I can say is, uh, to any oil and gas executives listening to our show, Saskatoon is open for business. If you want to bring some of those head offices here, just just throwing it out there. Yeah, and from as someone from BC who would like to see them come out to BC, uh, don't bother because you won't get anywhere here. <laughs> yeah, sad but true, hey? Yeah. All right, and I'm going to touch very briefly on the Senate election in Alberta. All three uh, positions that were up for election were won by conservative which means we don't have to talk about them because Justin Trudeau will definitely not nominate any of them because Justin Trudeau is a dick. Yep, and you'll never hear their names again. Yep, exactly. So, uh, all right, now we're done with Alberta. Alberta. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, exactly. So uh, I sent you a screenshot of a McLean's article just before we started the show here, and they summarized the cabinet shuffle so beautifully so eloquently by saying that justin trudeau put smart people in charge in the cabinet and uh 
Yeah, what, the yeah. best people to to handle. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face, but that but that is what they said. <laughs> I know, I know. It's hard. It's hard to say it with a straight face, but yeah, they, yeah. But Justin Trudeau has put smart people in uh, important roles, and yeah, I, I'm I'm struggling to see who they're talking about. Well, exactly, yeah, and I, I was mainstream media, of course, because. Of by uh, our tax dollars are all gushing that oh, he's made a lot of serious moves and putting some big players and it's like okay there's only a few new faces in that cabinet and you had a bunch of morons to begin with so really you just shuffled the stupidity from from port to port and all I can say is Harjit Sajjan still has a job yeah which is shocking to say the least but it's not with the. It's not as uh, the minister of defense, which is good, but he's been moved to a new role, and um, instead of losing his cabinet post entirely, the fact that he was reelected is shocking to me. But the fact that he's still a cabinet minister is is even more shocking. Ah, but I found out why that is. And there was a liberal insider who had uh, said that Harjit Sajjan is a great fundraiser for the Liberal Party of Canada. Okay, yeah, well, that matters. That matters a lot. Totally matters. It matters so much more than sexual assault. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you don't need to be competent. You just need to be able to raise money. Yeah. Well, that's that's why Bill Clinton is still around, right? Well, yeah, good point. Yeah. So yeah, Harjit Sajjan is now the Minister of International Development, a newly created post. Anita Anand has moved into his old post in defense. And do we know well, anything about her? She was the procurement minister, so she was the one who kept telling us about our great portfolio of vaccines. We only oh, have three, right. by the way, Canada. So. That's right. So um so we never going to get new jets exactly because we, we we have the most diverse portfolio of fighter jets in the world we just don't have any that's right <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a perfect way to put it yeah so yeah and also of note Stephen gilbo who was the minister of heritage has now moved to environment. Heaven help us all. Okay, well, does that mean we're going to stop seeing um, uh, uh, censorship bills? I hope so, because Pablo Rodriguez has taken his old job as heritage minister, and I don't know if he wants to resurrect C-10, but it's still kind of too early to tell. Yeah, something tells me it's not going to be his decision. Well, I think you're right. Yeah, but I mean, I'm glad to see uh, Gilbo out of that role um, because he's he. It was quite literally the most dangerous man in Canadian politics in that last uh, couple of years. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that. Yeah. Now, what surprises me? Well, one surprise, one not. Mark Garneau is out of cabinet. As yeah. is Bartis Chagger, which I totally expected because her name is all over we. But yeah. Mark Garneau, what's up with that? Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. But I have heard 
that there are many liberal MPs that are really angry about uh, the fact that we went that we had an election. Um, and I have a feeling that maybe he's one of them. And he was outspoken about it. And he lost his cabinet position over it. Huh. Well, that that's entirely possible. Um, there certainly are, and there's a lot of rank and file members who are also quite upset, from what I'm hearing. Yeah. But of course, you know Trudeau; he will just press on him because we all yeah. do. I I don't know how much longer Trudeau is going to last. To be honest, I think the Liberal Party, like the, the the membership, is is starting to turn on him. I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. So um, I do want to grab a couple more talk about the cabinet here. The okay. cabinet now with Justin Trudeau has 39 members. And let's just put that in perspective, Canada. 39 member cabinet in a country of 37 million people. Germany, with just over 80 million people, including the chancellor, has a cabinet of 15. Yeah for a country with more than double our population. Yeah. Remember to us talking about this country being over-governed? Yeah. And we've got these new cabinet portfolios because there wasn't enough in the last government. We have created now a uh, wealthy Minister of International Development, as far as Heath Sajjan. We have the useless portfolios of middle-class prosperity, gender equality, diversity and inclusion, and the other new post created, emergency preparedness. The only good thing about that is they put Bill Blair in there and got him the hell out of public safety. Wow. I mean, if you if you look at it, I believe the number of cabinet posts is almost double what Harper had. That wouldn't surprise me. I don't know how, how big a cabinet Harper had, but yeah, I mean, Trudeau has done nothing but grow government since he was elected in 2015. Yeah, I believe that, that Harper's first first cabinet was in the low 20s, I believe. And that's probably like, where it should be. Yeah, like they actually, they, I remember when he, when he won his first election, they actually eliminated some uh, departments uh, or, and, and, uh, uh, combined uh, some of them, right? So uh, I believe he had he, his cabinet was in the low twenties. I'll have to double check that, and we can confirm for the next show. But sure, yeah. What what Trudeau has done also is he's created associate ministers for some the portfolio. So now you've got you know two health ministers eff effectively, and there's other departments where he's done that as well. But I just uh, I don't get that man. Now, Christopher Freeland, uh, we oh, already I knew. I, I, I do. It's called liberal corruption because they're, they're, he's creating these associate minister positions so that more liberal MPs can make a quarter million dollars a year. Well, yeah. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's, it, it doesn't matter because it's just taxpayer dollars. Well, they, and that, to them, you're right. That's, uh, they, they, they couldn't give two bleeps about that but Christopher Freeland gets to keep her job as de deputy prime minister and finance minister I think I'm starting to come around to your line of thinking that they're grooming her to uh, take over as next leader oh yeah absolutely like, no question because that's what liberals do right like the liberal party does that they 
they don't have like real leadership races. They have, you know, these, you know, fake leadership races with a coronation. I mean, before, before the campaign even started, everyone knew that Trudeau was going to become leader. Before the campaign even started, Paul Martin, everybody knew Paul Martin was going to be the leader. It, It was just, it was a foregone conclusion before the, before the leadership campaigns even started. The liberals hold uh coronations they don't have leadership bases nope you're right and uh yeah so now i'm, I'm starting to get on side with you now i see we're getting close to our time here canada so i do have to say we actually can end this show on a positive note for once because lewis you had texted me earlier today about our foreign affairs minister and you are absolutely right and i've done research to prove it <laughs> I was I was afraid you were going to bring this up, um, <laughs> but let let I I just this is a compliment. This is not you know. Don't call me sexist or anything like that. It's a compliment. Our new foreign affairs minister is the most beautiful foreign affairs minister of any government in the history of the world. <laughs> and I fact-checked that for you, Lewis, because I thought the only country in the world with better-looking women than Canada is probably a Scandinavian country. So I researched the foreign affairs ministers in all the Scandinavian countries, starting with Sweden, and not even close because our foreign affairs minister is actually somewhat capable, and she proved herself in her last uh, cabinet post. So... Not sexist at all. It is a compliment because, yeah, Melanie Jolie is very attractive and she actually can do her job, unlike 37 or 38 of the other cabinet members. Yeah, I agree. She, she, is, a, she is a capable uh, minister and, um, and, uh, and I hope she does a good job in that role. I, and, I, and in fact, I, I believe she, I, I don't really have any doubts that she'll be uh, good in that role. She's um, she she has proven herself to be a capable minister, and yeah, she's one of maybe two or three in that entire cabinet that can do their jobs right. Yeah, well, I heard an interview with her over the summer, and it was about it was about the situation in Afghanistan. I don't remember exactly what she had said, but I just remember thinking like, "Wow, like this girl actually makes sense," and. You just say, okay, I get it. I get that she's a liberal because she's from Quebec, but it's like she could probably get herself elected elsewhere in the country because she actually made a lot of sense. Yeah. No, I, I like I said, I think she's going to do fine as uh, you know, foreign affairs minister. And um, um, yeah, uh, like, yeah. I, but, uh, but again, I think she's one of only two or three that are capable, that are actually uh, proficient and good at their job. Yeah, I would agree, which actually means that she's really needed in foreign affairs because we are going to have a serious situation coming up with China. We've already got a serious situation in Afghanistan, and that was one smart pick by Trudeau because we actually need someone who is capable and confident in that role. Yeah, and honestly, I think that that we're going to have a lot of international issues uh, starting this winter. some big ones and it's all a lot of it's going to be centered around trade it's going to be bad like i we're going to have 
uh, an extremely high shortage shortage of basically everything, and I think it's going to cause some some real um, some real problems um, between countries with Canada. So um, I, I like I said, I hope she does a good job, and I and I believe she will. Yeah, well, I mean, and the Chinese have already telegraphed that they've told their ministries get as much energy supplies as you can and we don't care what you pay for it because they see there's going to be shortages and we looked we talked in our last show the price of natural gas is up 500 percent in europe price of gas here natural gas is up 100 percent the price of gasoline is up 30 percent we're already seeing shortages at our grocery stores and that's just going to get worse and be exacerbated by the backlogs at at ports of entry or the shipping ports i mean so Yep, you're absolutely right. There's going to be a, pardon my language, shitstorm coming. So we're yeah, actually going to need somebody capable in that role. And in Canada, we're seeing, we've already seen a 300% increase in the cost of propane. I mean, it's it's going to be bad, and um, and the government is not preparing Canadians for it. That's actually the best point. The government is not preparing us for it at all. No. And I mean... It, it, and, I mean, look at it. I mean, they, all these energy sources, like all our, like our energy is is increasing dramatically in cost, and yet we, you know, shut down all these pipelines. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then and we continue to say, oh, we need to phase out the oil sands. We need our just transition to renewables in the coldest country on earth. Yeah. Yeah. All right. all right, Canada. Well, we're going to wrap that up there. We do want to thank you all for joining us. And until next time, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada.